0: You're
1: listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Sort of protective tape or wrap on that thumb next time we see Rodgers. Third and goal. Prescott stands in, delivers. It is intercepted in the end zone. Rudy Ford has a convoy. Rudy Ford with a huge play. Interception as a backer, and it comes in the end zone at a big time.
2: What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to access at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can send a text message to 865-658-5824. Again, that's 865 865- Six five eight five eight two four. Want to say good morning to everyone on Twitter and YouTube. Um, we decided to go live for this. I got my buddy Jacob on. You guys know uh, he did the uh, Packernet Fantasy Podcast last year and also joined me on most of, uh, I think, pretty much all of the post game shows. So uh, you've got you you guys and gals have seen us together quite a bit. But Jacob, man, it's been a while. I know your schedule's been crazy. How you been, Buck?
0: yeah man it's uh it's definitely good to be back i have been um a little bit on a hiatus the the week after the packers unfortunately lost i was promoted to gm of the smokehouse so basically for like it was a perfect time to dive into a new job and completely uh try to forget all of the heartbreak and heartache that was last season and it coincided perfectly we had to like i said take a little bit of a break from the packer fantasy podcast but i know the guys are itching to get back into it so um, and again, man, we're in Wisconsin, where it is now 31 degrees and snowing on and off. But just yesterday and the day before, it was almost 80. So, you know, that's Wisconsin.
2: That's crazy, man. It's crazy. We uh, we actually reached 82 here the other day. And now we're sitting anywhere from 65 to 75 uh, for the last few days. So I hated to see that snowstorm blow through on you guys for sure. Um, yes, but, hey, crazy. it is what it is, man. It's part of living up there, right? So. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, so here's what we're going to do, gang. We're going to talk draft. And uh, Jacob, you know, we've been kind of chatting offline, and we decided, hey, let's hop, hop on a pod and, uh, and actually talk about some of these prospects. Jacob's done some digging, found some really, really intriguing prospects later in the draft. And really, we just want to kind of talk about how the draft boards come together and, uh, and and how this draft may kind of unfold. Because, you know, one thing that Michael Lombardi talks about a lot, Jacob, is uh he talks about how you you want to set the board to a certain player right and this doesn't mean there's just one scenario there's there's several scenarios goody and his staff have walked through this draft a thousand times i guarantee it Right. They're going through and saying, hey, if this this player falls, here's that means the board is now set to this player. If this player falls, hey, if we lose this pool of players, we may have to trade up and snag a position here. They've laid out all the scenarios. But really, the ultimate goal is when you get to that number 15 pick, if you don't decide to trade back or trade up, you've got a player that you go, "Okay, here's what our board is set to. And it may even be something, Jacob, where they've got a player targeted that they know might not make it to 15. And they've got a trade up set up already, you know or maybe they're already set to trade back. And it's so cool. It's so intriguing to to think about uh, all the different scenarios that could unfold and all the conversations that are going on behind the scenes between GM, you know, because these trades, they don't just come together. It isn't Madden, right? They don't, they don't just hey, let me go in here and execute a trade real quick. These, the structure of these trades are already in place that, Hey, if we get in this position, we may be looking to trade back or trade up. And I think that's something that a lot of people miss. I know I did for a very long time as a fan is, I always looked at these organizations like they hate each other, right? And they're competing against each other and this and that. Man, there's, there's one team in the league that's most important, and that's the NFL. That's how the owners see this. They're one big team. It's one big business. And they're looking to work together. Yes, they want to gain a competitive advantage, absolutely. I mean, you've heard about – the, uh, the snide comments and the mean mugging that goes on in some of those uh, one for meetings. If you guys don't know, basically the owners get together and only one representative, one person can represent the team and only one person from each team is allowed in the room. So you get rid of all the clutter, all the other opinions and uh, and those guys get in there and they hammer it out. That's where you've heard about Jim Ursay getting into it with Dan Snyder in the past. It sounded like uh, Jerry Jones was ready to choke Robert Kraft one year. It's just funny to think about some of the conversations that go on behind the scenes and how these guys are struggling uh within the standpoint of, you know, hey, look, we're all one big team as the National Football League. And I think a lot of people forget that, especially when we're talking about advantage and disadvantage and leverage with this Aaron Rodgers trade. I haven't got a chance to talk to you about that, Jacob. We're going off no. the cuff right off the bat, dude. What do you think is going to happen? First of all, let me ask you this. I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you think would be fair compensation in your eyes? Because I'm trying to gauge everyone here. I, I hear some people say we better get the Russell Wilson Hall. I hear other people say, man, I, I, I'd I take a seventh-round pick for him, just get him out of the building. What do you think, man? What do you think is fair compensation for Aaron?
0: I mean, I think there's a difference between what I think is fair and what I think the fan base will accept. Because <laughs> at this point, we've stretched this thing out. And I'm sorry, Clayton, for everybody that has said that, like, you know, Rogers isn't going to do any drama. I just want a quick recap here from somebody that had not been on the network for a while. We went from he's going to maybe take some time to retire – so now he's going to take a little more time to retire to I'm going to go spend some time in the darkness. And then that'll let me know whether or not I need to retire. And then it was <laughs> I got to go on McAfee every single three hours and let him know what's going on. And then now I hate Gutekinds. And then Gutekinds, while he was in the darkness, I didn't want to retire. I did want to retire. But now that I, I'm just like, dude, I I'm so tired of all of this. And honestly, I've understood that it's not always Rogers, that he can literally he can walk in and 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 toot and they're going to write five stories about the wind you know, (laughs) love where it went, who it hit. And I get that. But him knowing that anything that he does is going to be so highly scrutinized. I really wish he would. You can't tell me that he didn't play this fiddle and and put a quarter in this machine and really enjoy the process. That being said, um, I would love, I, I think realistically, if they could get up some sort of way where they swapped our first and gave us one of the seconds or gave us maybe a conditional, second with maybe swapping the first i mean obviously i'd love to i'd love to get 13 maybe even a second round shoot throwing a third next year i don't know but that's realistically not going to happen i do think it's crazy that people are sitting here saying that green bay does not have any leverage the jets have already went all in they've literally went on record saying we want a veteran quarterback i think what's his name woody pages said we want rogers they hired hackett they signed Lazard. I mean, guys, if they're not going to get Rodgers, they're setting themselves up for a very C-squad-type team, which that's – I don't know. I, to me, it's who, – who do they got left? Did they want to go back and get Zach Wilson and give him a shot again? I mean, I don't know. To me, I, if, if I was the Jets organization, I would have completely pumped the brakes and went after Derek, David, Derek Carr when it was available. I don't know why. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's tough, man, because the Jets are looking at it like, hey, look, let's just go all in. And I, I know anytime you say the words all in, everybody loses their freaking mind, right? Mm-hmm. But it does does Derek Carr give you as good a chance as Aaron Rodgers? My my answer to that is no, right? But maybe not for one year, no. Exactly. But if you if you're looking for five years down the road, you know, I don't think Derek Carr is a bad quarterback. I don't. I, I think he stepped into that. Uh, that first year in Josh McDaniels' offense, and it and he really struggled, uh, which that's a very very complex offense for anyone who follows the New England Patriots. Man, um, you know Julian Edelman said it best. I think I think he said I can't remember who he said it to, but it was someone coming in to play with him. I believe it was, yeah, I believe it was Julian's last year, and he might have even been injured. But he said, "Bro, learning this offense is like learning Chinese. Like it's a whole <sighs> different." from every other offense I've ever you know been a part of because there's a lot of choice route, a lot of option routes. But when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, here's the thing, man, that I think a lot of people missed last season. And I mentioned it on the pod a couple times, and Aaron has never addressed it. But he made a comment on McAfee after the Philly game. And he said, I went back to get my ribs checked, right? And he said, and, and it was just really he, – he made it sound like something strange happened back there. And McAfee immediately shifted to, what was there like a line to get an X-ray or an MRI? Like were you, they were, you know, you're down in the bowels of Phil, you know Philadelphia Stadium, and they're, you know, they're kind of putting you in the back. Go, hey, well, you can wait on yours, and they're trying to rush you back on the field. I don't think that's what Aaron was saying. What I think happened, Jacob, I think that when he came out of that game and he went to get checked, I think someone within the organization said, hey, let's just sit it out. do not you just sit it out? We'll put Jordan in. Like mm-hmm. they were trying to push Jordan in so you could see Jordan play, right? And I think Aaron uh, really got ticked off about that. I think – and that's when Aaron's saying he felt this coming during the season. I think that's what he was talking about. The issue I have with the whole situation is we literally bought high and now we're selling low. If this was going to be the plan, right, then you should have traded him for a haul two years ago. And now here we are. You're eating a ton of that cap. And you might not even get a first round pick, dude. That's a hard pill to swallow. Like, if you want him out of the building, I get it. Totally understand. And, but you'd be doing those,
0: that. You'd be doing that post MVP, right? So you'd be looked at as the most crazy GM slash <clears throat> fan absolutely. base in the world if you want to cut ties after a guy's multiple right. MVP. You know,
2: right? And and it's basically you know someone said the other day uh, there's no better no better way to apologize than to do it with money, right? And that's mm-hmm. exactly what they did. He yeah, was like, cool. damn, okay, yeah, we drafted your, your predecessor, or or I'm sorry, your we drafted your replacement, and then lo and behold, you win two MVPs. Yeah, we better give you some money. Flush that, dude. If that's the yeah. guy, that's then you want to sell high, dude. You, you don't know what that
0: reminds me of. What's that? That's like that's like the guy who gets caught cheating on his wife, and then he buys her a really big ring oh, afterwards. Absolutely. <laughs> oh,
2: I had a buddy one time, he was dating my <laughs> wife's sister, right? And uh, and they you know. They had been together for several years. Here we, man, this is hilarious. I don't even know how we got on this topic, but that's funny. <laughs> uh, we're going to roll with it, though, because it's the all-season. Dude, he, you could see the tension building because he hadn't bought a ring yet, Jake. He's just dragging his feet and dragging his feet and dragging his feet. And he was one of those guys that's like, bro, if you lock her in, you're kind of marrying up. You know, you might want to move on this, right? And, bro, he, I remember him. They had a conversation, and he thought they couldn't afford, right? They couldn't afford it yet. And then he popped up with a $7,000 TV in the living room one day. Bro, she was out that week. She <laughs> was back. And guess what happened, bro? He bought her a puppy. He went oh, and got really? a ring. <laughs> <He> was, <laughs> all of a sudden, this That's money hilarious. came flowing in, bro. I was cracking up. Uh, and he came to me, and I'm like, hey, Adam, I don't know really to tell you, bro. Like, <laughs> enjoy the TV. So, Set yourself up for that. Yeah. Anyway, but when, he, when that happened with the Philly game, man, um, that that kind of triggered in my mind, like, I think they were trying to go to Jordan right then. And, and that's the thing that bothers me is, like, if you thought Jordan Love was the better quarterback, have the freaking balls to go to him, dude. Like, you're the head coach. You're the general manager. Like, make that decision right there. Do you Rather think
0: that that indicates that there may have been quite a bit of internal –
2: Oh, absolutely, uh, diff,
0: diff, you know, differing ideas as to where the direction of the team. Cause to me, that's kind of what it looks like. It seems like all nobody wanted to be the guy that stood up and said, I'm going to make this Gingo. choice. You know what I mean? Like the Ron Wolves or the uh, whoever, the McCarthy's of the old that said, this is how it's going to be my way or the highway kind of thing. I think all of them co- together were like, let's kind of go yes. towards this and we'll see what Jordan ends up being. I will say one thing though, that I, the more that I've, you guys have known. I think I would, I will gladly say that I was the first real person that was not. Nah, I shouldn't say first real, but on the network here, where I was like, I'm done with Rogers. I really would like to see what love is, not because I think he's going to be great, because <laughs> I want to know if he's bad. So that let's, you know, I have not heard a lot of people talking about the possibility that we pick a quarterback in this draft, and I, oh, to me, it, it seems almost, almost, what's the word? I guess. Disrespectful or lazy to think that we couldn't or shouldn't. Right. I mean, who else do we have? I mean, when we're going into a, a, some would argue it's a rebuilding year, some would argue it's a prove it year, you know, with a quarterback that's very, very raw and untested with a backup that who is it? Etling? Is that who our backup is now?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right now, it's <laughs> Etling.
0: I mean, that's not a very strong room by any means. I, I would almost be a little bit disappointed if we didn't address backup quarterback in the draft or through free agency. So,
2: yeah, and, and look, I mean, like when Aaron Rodgers, you know, his first year as a starter, they drafted Brian Brom in the second round.
0: Like, and somebody else that. too, I thought, right? Yeah, there, there, there was, was Brom just, there and uh, someone else, I thought. I think
2: there was someone later, yeah. But so anyway, when that happened, though, I think that that kind of triggered Aaron a little bit, but Aaron was still planning on either retiring or coming back. You, you notice as soon as the season wrapped up, they said, take your time, right? That's what they mm-hmm. told him. Take your time, make your decision. As long, Basically, It was like this mutual agreement that, look, as long as we know before free agency starts, we're good. So Aaron goes into the darkness retreat. Right. With them saying, take your time. And then all of a sudden he gets out of the darkness retreat. Now, here's the thing that people are really misconstrued. The only thing that pisses me off, Jacob, is when people blatantly lie about this stuff, like no matter it's and it happens on both sides. Right. So going into the darkness retreat, he said he was 90 percent retired. Right. And then something changed in the darkness retreat, meaning when he came out, he's like, I want to play, right? They're making it sound as if something changed after he found out they were shopping him. So if Aaron Rodgers is telling the truth, what happened was he goes into the darkness retreat thinking I can either go back and play for the Packers or I'm retiring. He gets out and he's got friends across the league is what he said. And I think it was teammates. And I'll tell you why in a second he had friends messaged him. <clears throat> he responds to the message. He goes, they're shopping you, dude. The shot, they told me I could come back or retire. What do you mean they're shopping me, right? And and I think that coming out of the retreat, he had decided he was going to play, but now he finds out that stuff, right? When I say I think, that's his side of the story, right? Now, here's the, here's the other thing. So when he comes out of the retreat and they have sent those messages to other uh, or they have talked to other teammates or whatever, and here's the thing. They said, Brian Guttekun said this. This isn't me making this up. Brian Gudikin said it at his presser. I sat down and talked to coaches. I talked to players, and we decided this is the best move for us moving forward.
0: Didn't he claim – so isn't Guttekun's side of the story claiming that he had been trying to get a hold of Rodgers multiple times throughout this ordeal and that Rodgers never once responded to him? I think Rodgers' side was, dude, I'm in a fucking darkness retreat, and it's not (laughs) – like the whole point of darkness retreat is not to be, you know, catching your voicemails <laughs> and your and watching for your notifications. Like I so yeah. I can understand that part of it. And then um, I guess my confusion would be is if Rogers coming out of this ordeal. And then another thing to back up real quick, the whole non-drama thing, we are now finding out that Rogers isn't only doing his tripping out, you know, with his Licking toads in the rainforest, or whatever he's doing, but he's doing it with with Jake Paul. I mean, the most cringiest of cringe <laughs> guys. And if he's sitting here, I heard, I think I heard Ryan talk about it, where his excuse for not being able to build chemistry for years and years with young guys is that, hey man, I just can't get along with young guys, you know. But if only Dobbs and Watson thought about licking toads and pooping all over themselves in the jungle, then Rogers would have totally been on a bus, man. It's just.
2: That's hilarious. that's hilarious. I don't
0: I don't get that at all. And then, yeah, the guy can date, like, 18-year-olds, but I will not throw them a ball, I, you know? I-
2: <laughs> and see, that's where we kind of part. I, I definitely don't see it that way. Um, you know, watching the tape, I didn't look at it like, oh, he's just refusing to throw him the ball. Watching the progressions, watching the play top, it's like I see why he didn't go there with the ball. Um, but I just wanted to point that out, that now here's – we're at a crossroads, right? You're to the point now where it's, it's literally – Either Goody's line or, or Rogers' line. And there's no in between. I've heard people say, oh, both can be true. B.S. B.S. They both can't be true. So if Goody told him going into the darkness retreat, hey, listen, and they talked and he said, you can retire, or come back as a Packer, right? And then he gets out and Goody had been shopping him. And there's a difference between shopping him and taking calls. They, they, they Goody is pretty much confirmed he shopped him. He mm-hmm. called around and asked people, hey, would you be interested? Right. So if that's the case, if that's the case and it happened like that, then shame on Goody. But if what really happened was Aaron ghosted him all offseason and then went into the darkness retreat and he just let messages sit there before the darkness. retreat, I'm not talking about, you know, which it is hilarious if Goody was petty enough to go, now let's send him a message. Oh, we did <laughs> or, it. It <laughs>
0: or if that's the thing, dude, you've all done that to your friend or whatever when you're, you're you're trying to call him. It rings once, you hang up, and you're like, yes, technically, I did call you back, yeah, exactly, even though yeah. you couldn't answer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so me personally, I lean towards Goody. I think Goody was telling the truth because Goody's never I, – I haven't heard him be dishonest one time. He might try to mislead a little bit and not yeah. not show his hands. Aaron, on the other hand, Aaron Aaron doesn't care to – to walk you down a little rabbit trail to get his point across, whether, you know, he tells you everything or not. So anyway, we didn't plan on getting on that talk, but I just no. <laughs> I wanted to mention that Philly game because I think that's what he was talking about. <laughs> you know, like I said, they kind of brushed it on the rug, and, and I think that Aaron said, we'll readdress it sometime down the road. Um, I think that they might have been go- trying to push him like, hey, let's go sit down, let's go sit down, let's go sit down. Um, but anyway, here we are. Um, Aaron will not be playing for the Packers, and it's the Jordan Love era, right? Um, I'm excited to see how they construct this roster. Um, it's just frustrating to me, though, that that you could have got a haul for Aaron, yeah. and now we're going to be taking minimum. And it was just – if you had laid out a scenario three years ago, just uh, Jacob, and said, all right, what's the worst-case scenario for this Aaron Rodgers thing? To me, this is the worst-case scenario. If someone had told me you declined the trade – to trade him to San Francisco for that Hall of Picks, right? And then you're going to keep him for two years, but the roster isn't constructed at a Super Bowl contender, you know, level, which cracks me up too. They're making it sound as if, you know, the special teams didn't lose a bunch of games those two years. They're making it sound as if we were just had this loaded roster and it was just Aaron that struggled. That blows my mind. The, just the extremes on both sides is just crazy. But if you had told me, yeah, we're going to come out, we're going to fall short in the playoffs, not construct a full roster, and then we're going to trade him for a second-round pick, I would have said, you're an idiot. Please don't run my business. Don't step into my business because you – I mean, that's, that's, that's malpractice at best. It really is. Um, but, again, man, there's a lot of things that happen in between – all of those little situations that unfolded uh, to get to this point. And I was the one who said going in the fact that both the organization and Aaron said, Hey, look, we're going to part ways and it's totally cool. It's nobody's fault. I said, thank God, thank God. This isn't going to turn into this drama. And then here we are. They somehow screwed up both of them. But (laughs) anyway, let's talk some draft. So we're talking about setting the board, right? What player to set the board to? You got to start with needs. And it cracks me up people say, "Oh, you don't you never draft by need, you take best player available." Guys, the board's set up by need. Therefore, you're always going to have an option for best player available to be within those needs. That's exactly what that means. Um now, is there a scenario where you have an elite position that's sitting there, Jacob, and it's like, "Okay, yeah, we'll we'll jump in, we'll We'll take an offensive tackle or an edge defender when we know we need safety, wide receiver, and tight end help, right? Um, yeah, you could do that because those are such important positions, those tier one positions, you know, the quarterback, left tackle, edge, and nose tackle. And back to what you were talking about with quarterback, there absolutely is a chance they take a quarterback. And, it, you know, what cracks me up is Bryce Young hands is hands down the best quarterback in this draft. Like he he just nailed the S2. It, you watch the tape. The S2
0: is interesting.
2: Yeah, very interesting because they said Anthony Richardson scored high too. Really? And if I understood correctly, he scored in the ballpark range or maybe even higher than Joe Burrow. That's
0: cool. Yeah. It was cool too, real quick, sorry, but it was interesting because they said that the Wanderluck, that basically guys were getting to the point where they could study for the Wanderluck, where they could literally, you know, you could practice for a test where they say this S2, it's not you, – you cannot – just no way you can ever practice it there's no way of mimicking it it's such reactive it's just you either have it or you don't and you really can't make itself like you can't you said there's small things you can do in your if you're in your teens and your early 20s to develop that kind of cognitive response but basically when they're measuring you at this level you either have it or you don't and it's it's
2: right yeah and you know with the s2 they said it's basically rapid fire it's yeah. What it's determining is how, how quickly you can process, how quick you can make decisions, right? The thing with Anthony Richardson, I you know, for me, it's not, not making decisions. He, I didn't see anything on the field where I'm like, he's a horrible decision maker. For me, it was the accuracy. Now, can they improve that? In the past, that's very, been very, very difficult to improve, but you've seen Josh Allen do it. And Allen. People, people always prop that up and go, Josh Allen did it. And I go, who else did it? Yes. and crickets right so it's it's very rare that that happens which which means you've got to have a crazy crazy work ethic Michael Lombardi was talking about Anthony Richardson he felt like he doesn't have that alpha mentality he doesn't have that lack of a better word that dog in him that just wants to be the best you can tell that he just he just everybody in the room loves him but he he's not that Tom Brady I'll tick everybody off in the room as long as we're winning top guy right which Aaron Aaron Rodgers kind of had that too but We've seen that's that's backfired in the past. Um, but anyway, when it comes to quarterback, um, you know, who who would be worthy of trading up if you get in that ballpark to take? And here's how my board says I know we wasn't supposed to talk about this, but we're gonna hit on it real quick. Bryce Young is a number two prospect, he's a tier one talent, he's hands down the best quarterback. Um, at number five slot, I've got CJ Stroud, so he's in uh tier three. And then I've got Will Levis in that same tier, but he is a couple slots behind C.J. Stroud. And then I've got Anthony Richardson in that same tier, um, but he's a little bit behind Will Levis. So I kind of feel like C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson are real close to each other. C.J. Stroud, in my opinion, is the best thrower in this draft. Even better than Bryce Young. When I watch C.J. Stroud throw, I think he's got a quicker release. I think he's got better accuracy. But the only problem is C.J. Stroud, every time he plays a game in college football, he comes to the line, and this is what he does, Jacob. He looks to the sideline, and they show him a card of what play to run. Bryce Young has total command of that Alabama offense. He's pro-ready. As as close to pro-ready as any of these quarterbacks. So if if Green Bay were to take a quarterback, um, if one were to fall, then – I mean, you're looking at one of those three guys: C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, or Anthony Richardson. More realistically, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, I believe. But yeah, you know, I'm with you, man. I don't For some
0: reason, in drive. in my head, I have this weird scenario where we, uh, whatever we do with the Jets, whether it be the 13th, the 15th, or we just leave it as is, we go maybe like you know a very Packers pick, some random lineman or something like that, and then in the second we draft Hooker, and people lose their mind.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: and, right. I don't know. It'd be kind of fun.
2: Yeah, Here's the thing about Hendon Hooker too. You know, I live down here in Tennessee, obviously. I'm going to tell you where I got him on my board. And um, this is really, really important. It really is. Um, I actually have him, and I'm not saying Hendon Hooker is going to be a horrible quarterback. I have him in the number 86 spot on my board. And some people are losing their mind. Why do I have an 86 spot? Well, first of all, he's coming off that injury. He sunk a little bit for that, right? But also, one thing that people don't understand about the Tennessee offense, and I've seen it firsthand over and over and over, is they just work one half of the field. That offense is designed to come to the line, pre-snap read, and then I'm only working this side of the field. One, maybe two reads, and that's it. So he's very, very raw in that in that regard. He's extremely accurate. He's got mobility as long as he heals from the injury. I could see them taking a quarterback a little later in the draft like that, too, if he falls that far. But now there's all this draft buzz around Hendon Hooker going in the first round. Yeah, right? Yeah.
1: I'd Here's what I hope
2: mid-second. happens. Mid-second. I hope multiple quarterbacks. I hope maximum amount of quarterbacks go before we pick. That would be awesome, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, uh, anyway, our needs. Safety, tight end, and wide receiver are the top needs that I have I have listed. Now, would I love another nose tackle? Absolutely, because I feel like Kenny Clark has underperformed <laughs> here lately. Uh, of your elite positions, you got quarterback, left tackle, edge, and nose tackle. So, let's talk about safety real quick. My top three safeties on the board are Brian Branch in the number 18 spot, Antonio Johnson in the number 41 spot and then Sidney Brown in the number 65 spot what does that mean they're worthy of that pick or higher okay so when you look at that and where the Packers pick at number 15 45 and 78 what lines up there. Brian Branch should be on the board. There's a good chance he'll be on the board. The only problem is he doesn't meet that RAS requirement of 8.30 that the Packers seem to stick to with their first and second round picks. Number two, Antonio Johnson at number 41. That's right there in that ballpark uh, ballpark range of the number 45 pick. If you were to trade up and try to grab him, he's a tier nine talent for me. He doesn't meet that RAS minimum requirement. So who's left? Sidney Brown at number 65. I want you to really throw that in the memory bank because – if they're going to stick to that RAS requirement, not that they've officially said that, but you know history dictates and says that they probably will. He's the only one of those top three safeties that meet that. Now, me personally, I like Brian Branch. I, I looked up a statistic, and it blew my mind, Jacob. Brian that's Branch, tackles. yeah, like Dude, he he is insane. like got a ninety-eight percent success rate on tackling, and that's the best of any safety in the PFF era that's entered the draft. And it's also better than any linebacker yeah, that's entered the yeah. draft. That's insane. Now, how many missed tackles did we see last year, bro? It's bad. But, again, we're going to allow the RAS score to just scratch them off the board. And I talked about in the past how we've whiffed on all these safeties in the draft. Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Hamilton, his RAS was was still really high, but that forty time turned so many people off, man. Yeah. Um. And it's like he was he was the top graded safety last year in the NFL. That's insane. Cool.
0: So. And, it, and am I correct in I, I thought I read that Branch basically he's not just a safety. You can basically plug that guy in anywhere on the secondary, and he can he can do the position. And he like you said, just the the amount of physicalness that he brings to the secondary alone is something that could really. I mean, I know it would help us.
2: Yeah, and it, it kind of, to me it kind of fits what, what Goody was talking about in we're going to play the best five DBs. I don't care where we have to put them. We're going to play the best five DBs. If you drafted Brian Branch and you put him into camp and you have Rudy Ford, you have uh, the, the new safety, I can't remember his name right now, that came from over from the 49ers. More, um, Yeah, Tavaris Moore. Tavaris Moore. is how you say his name. <laughs> um, you've got him. You've got Darnell Savage. you got Brian Branch. And, and you throw them all into camp and go, all right, you guys compete for these top two safety spots. And along the way, you have Brian Branch and Darnell Savage and Keyshawn Nixon competing for that that nickel spot, right, that that star defender, that slot nickel, right, slot corner. If you approach it that way, bro, you've got competition all across the board. And I'm telling you, man, that's, that's really what creates a good offense or a good defense is when you've got multiple people competing and that's what Belichick has done so good over the last few decades. Is no one's job is safe. We're going to go out here and compete for the right to play. And uh, if you can, if you continue to build that culture, then it's game on. Uh, but again, anything you want to say there at the safeties before we move on to tight end?
0: Uh, I, I just I wouldn't love the Brian Branch pick as far as value with fifteen, but he's definitely one of those guys where if we're at fifteen and there's 15, I just see a group of like 10 guys that I like at 15, so I have no problem trading back at 15. And then if Branch is still there around 18, 19, mid-20s, I totally would jump on that.
1: In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view, by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us.
2: Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. So let's move on to tight in. At the tight end position, I've got just going down the list in order on my board. Dalton Kincaid at number 22. Michael Mayer at number 23. Luke Musgrave at number 27. Darnell Washington at number 35. Um, you've got Sam Laporta at number 63, and I got Tucker Craft at number 79. So basically, Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer are in the same tier. They're in tier 6 for me. Luke Musgrave is in tier 8. Darnell Washington's in tier 10. Sam Laporta's in tier 14, and Tucker Craft is in tier 16. Now, here's the thing. When, when this tied-in class is so rich, this is a tight end heavy draft, right? do you want to pull the trigger at number 15 on a tight end, or do you want to try to get one in the second? In my opinion, it just screams to trade up in the second and grab one. And I know you've got a, a sleeper or two there as well. What do you think about tight end, man? What what would you want to see happen there? And, and I, you pretty much, if I'm understanding you correctly, you feel like at number 15 I wouldn't take Brian Branch. If that's the case, does a tight end seem worthy of that number 15 pick, or do you think it's so stacked you want to wait a little later?
0: Man, that's a tough one. This is probably the deepest tight end draft that I can remember since I've started Same. caring about the draft. Um, and they're just filled with some absolute freaks. We'll get into one here in a second. And the reason where I would maybe, <sighs> I think I would just pass on a tight end so early because depending on who else is there, you know, you've talked about, I love Kance, Clance, Kansi. I don't know about the value meaning. you know, we don't really, I guess I shouldn't say we don't need D tackle, but it'd be hard to justify going back to back years with another D tackle. But, but, you know, there's a lot of guys in that area where I would not mind dropping back from. And the tight end, if I really like Michael Mary. just seems like a very all-around, well-put-together tight end. Dalton Kincaid, just an absolute vertical threat, receiving uh, threat. But then you look at some of these guys, like you said, the Musgraves. Um, my guy I really like is Tucker Craft. The unbelievable size, 6'5". The guys are running a four five forty, basically four six forty. Some crazy uh, verticals on these guys. But then you also look at, you said Sam Laporta he may be my favorite tight end i mean the guy is unbelievable when he gets the ball in his hands you watch him run he's got crazy yak um, the Musgraves guy, he's a physical freak of nature. I think he had a nine-six RAS. Tucker Craft has a nine six-ish RAS. But there's a guy in the later rounds who originally he was getting drafted, mocked in the seventh, even an undrafted free agent. His name's Zach Kuntz. He's in uh from Old Dominion. The guy is a true seven six foot seven-inch guy, maybe even six eight. He's two fifty-five. And guys, he ran a four-five-five forty. I say that again. He's six seven, six, eight. He's 255, and he ran a, f- a true 45540. He is, as far as his uh, measurables go, he's in the 93rd percentile in height. He's in the 54th percentile in weight. His wingspan is one of the biggest in the whole college football at 83. He, I mean, He's just his 40, again, 455, that's in the 93rd percentile. His vertical, 99th percentile. His broad jump the 98th percentile his three cone was in the 92nd I mean he's an absolute freak of nature he's got good hands he can block if you watch if you let him he's he's a little undeveloped in the blocking range because he's a little long and lanky but if he put on 10 pounds and maintain even a little bit of that speed He's willing to block. He's an absolute freak. He started his career in Penn State, didn't get a lot of action there, switched over to Old Dominion, which, again, it's a smaller school. But put it on the tape, dude. I'm telling you, this guy just glides. It looks effortless. And you want to talk about a red zone threat for a new up-and-coming quarterback. So even maybe you take a, a Laporta in the late second or the third or a Musgraves, and maybe you've peppered in a wide receiver earlier in the draft. You've already hit safety. And if you can get this guy, I'm seeing drafts where he's getting drafted in the third, the fourth, and maybe in the fifth. I don't know where he's going to slip to, but I could. I would love to see the Packers have this guy, a new tight end, and you maybe have a wide receiver, a Quentin Johnson somehow if he slips. Or I really like Rasheed Rice. You know, a lot of Michael Wilson, um, At Perry, a guy that we'll talk about hopefully if we got some time here. I really, really like these later round guys that have a lot of talent.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man, it, dude. It's it's loaded. It's. Lo- I mean, I've literally got. I just listed six here, and there's actually. I want to make sure here. Tell you how many I got in my top 100. I've never seen a draft that's stacked at tight end like this. Yeah, we've got six tight ends in the top 100. That's insane. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the way it lays out, let's talk about RAS for a second and kind of the million requirements.
0: Sorry, RAS for uh, Zach Coons, a 10. Perfect. 10.
2: Perfect. So of those six that I listed, Kincaid, Mayer, Musgrave, Washington, Laporta, and Kraft all of them check out for RAS for the Packers, right? Yep. And Dalton Kincaid, I've got a question mark, but it's because his RAS is incomplete. But we all know Dalton Kincaid would score more than 8.30. I mean, it's it's a done freaking deal. He may even have closer to a 10 uh, like the guy you just mentioned. So when you look at it that way, that screams trade back. I mean, it really does. That screams, yep. screams either trade back, don't take a tight end at number 15, and then trade up in the second to get one of these top-tier tight ends. If Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer fall, I could see that scenario unfolding. Let's move on to wide receiver now. Um, wide receiver, the way my board falls, Jordan Addison at number 17, Quentin Johnston at number 20, Jackson Smith and Jigba at 21, Zay Flowers at 25, and Jalen Hyatt. At 33. So basically, you've got Jordan Addison at a tier five, Quentin Johnson at a tier six, Jackson Smith and Jigba at tier six, Zay Flowers at tier eight, and Jalen Height at tier nine. Wh- when it comes to the number 15 pick, and, and some of the people are hearing Jordan Addison number 17, why? Guys, the way I construct my board is I make sure that the board's foundation is in place before all of the combine hype, all of that stuff. The thing that I think is most important is the tape. I think that what they do on the football field is more important than what they do running around in their underwear inside on carpet. Right? That's just me personally. Um, so when it comes to the wide receiver position, to me, Jordan Addison showed more on tape. He and Quentin Johnston and Jackson Smith and Jigba than Zay Flowers and Jalen Hyatt in that order. Now, the RAS has really bumped some people up. So when you look at J- Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I had a maximum modifier for him, after the combine, it really shows you where he might've been. Now there's also what I've heard, and I heard Lombardi and several other people talk about this, that they're worried that Jackson Smith and Jigba may not love the game, quote unquote, love the game, right? Mm. I've I've heard a little bit of rumblings of that. Um, Now, is it true? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going strictly off the tape and then with the RAS modifiers. So the name, I did a, a poll the other day on Twitter, Jacob, and it was hands down unanimous. The, the majority of Packer fans said Jackson Smith and Jigba. At number 15, if you had to choose a wide receiver at number 15, who are you going with, man? Who is there anyone that you go, that's definitely the one, or is it something that they're so clustered, you would be cool with trading back there too?
0: Man, honestly, I I, I had to stop myself from laughing because as you were describing uh, Jackson Smith, I'm thinking, Bo Callahan, nobody went to Bo Callahan's birthday? <laughs> oh, man. For all that don't know, that's uh, Draft Day, Kevin Costner. J.J. loves that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, I, at 15, I didn't hear that about Jackson Smith. Um, that does make me want to pump the brakes a little bit because i stretching to get a wide receiver at 15 because of – Some of the other guys that i'll talk about in just a second here that are available in the third second and third rounds to me i just don't see the value there i don't like the undersized class this year the safe flowers the addisons i get that they could be really really great receivers in this league um special guys gadget guys but um to me i just don't think that that's a value at 15. again i'm looking to trade back i like a guy named at perry more Definitely prototypical style receiver for um, what the Packers typically draft. He's a 6'4 guy, 198 out of Wake Forest, ran as a four four seven forty. PF really liked him. 2021, they gave him an 82.6 grade, and 2022, gave him an 83.4 grade. He's a long, deep threat. They've got him drafted most mocked to the Lions and then followed by the Packers. And he just, um, he just seems like more of that prototypical X that maybe we're looking for to kind of, you know, be a more... A deep threat, but more possession receiver, free up some of the younger guys to maybe do a little more gadgety stuff, have Watson do his end arounds and and kind of be a little bit more like that. He's got some decent measurables too. his his span is crazy big for how for his size. And um, I would not they got him projected a second late round. I would not mind that. Um, his RAS was 9.62 so he's right there in the mix Michael Wilson out of Stanford that's another guy where I was looking at his RAS is 9.55 again just really really good measurables and then another guy that I've just recently kind of gotten into Bryce Ford Wheaton out of West Virginia again very prototypical guy he's about 6'3 uh, 221 he ran that 40 and 438 so he's a bit of a burner he supposedly really likes to block too and he's willing to do it so I'm they have them compared to a poor man's DK Metcalf. And if that's, I'll take a poor man's DK Metcalf (laughs) any day of the week, dude, that, that sounds great. So.
2: Heck yeah. It's funny. I'm getting blown up on Twitter right now because we decided to go live on YouTube. Um, here at the last second, we thought, let's throw some YouTube content out there too. I just realized the title says special guest, Dusty Evely from the last live broadcast I did. So, Dusty's what changed guys? a bit. You can see the beard's grown. And <laughs> anyway, sorry about that, guys. Dusty's going to hit me up and be like, hey, what? What? Why am I getting blown up on Twitter? False so anyway, advertising. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for me, man, when you, let's look at the RAS requirements, right? Jordan Addison does not meet the criteria, right? And he's my top wide receiver on the board, just like Brian Branch, right? So you're seeing how I kind of lean on the tape more than I do – the, uh, the RAS and the athletic profile. Quentin Johnston's got a question mark because his profile is incomplete, but I'm almost positive he would qualify with that, you know, all the athleticism he has. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba definitely checks the box. Zay Flowers does not check the box. And Jalen Hyatt does check the box, okay? So you've got three of those six that pretty much meet the requirements. That's Quentin Johnston, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Jalen Hyatt. Now, the way it falls in tiers, Johnston tier six – uh, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba tier six, and then you got Jalen Hyatt down in tier nine. So let's let's say we're gonna set the board to Jackson Smith and Jigba because that seems to be everybody's darling, everybody's sweetheart, right? What you gotta understand about Jackson Smith and Jigba—he's a slot receiver. The one knock on him is he—he he is not gonna be one of those guys that you uh, would predominantly line up outside. He may not be able to play all three positions, especially his rookie year, right? He may not be able to play uh, either the boundary but you could probably plug and play him in the slot. So if that's the case, you've got Dobbs, you got Watson, you've also got Samori Torre, you put Jackson Smith and Jigba in the slot. I mean, I could see that working out. I can. When you look at the other wide receivers, you know, like Quentin Johnson, you basically got straight-in speed, right? Straight-line speed, a deep threat type receiver. With Jackson Smith and Jigba, like I said, lateral explosion, he's more of a slot receiver than anything. You climb down to Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers is a three-level threat. This guy can run short, medium, and deep pass routes. He's great at the top of the stem. Um, He's got excellent rack ability. If you were to just watch the tape, there's a lot to be excited about with Zay Flowers. So if he can play at all three levels there, if he's effective at all three levels, that's someone that could uh, be a little more versatile if you wanted to move him in and out of the slot. And you guys know Matt LaFleur has done that. We even did it with Randall Cobb. There was times that Randall Cobb lined up at the X. And some people are like, what in the world is he doing out there, right? He's a slot receiver. It's because they like to keep these defenses guessing, right? Especially when you've got so much movement that's involved. Um, so when it comes to that, if you were to set the board, if if Jackson Smith and Jigba is gone, let's say we set the board to Jackson Smith and Jigba, we come up at number 15, we couldn't trade up, right? And he's gone. Now you're looking to trade back, right? Right. And with it being a tight end-rich draft, that may play right into your hand where you could take multiple early second-round picks. I mean, that's something that's definitely a possibility. So let's lay out three scenarios here, Jake. Let's say scenario one, at number 15, you draft Brian Branch. It's a long shot because he doesn't meet the RAS requirements. We would have to definitely go outside of the norm. Um, If you did that, if you took Brian Branch, then you'd be looking to trade up for either Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, or Luke Musgrave, in my opinion. Uh, so if one of them, let's say you got all three of those, uh, at the same or near the same tier and you're approaching number 45, and let's say you get to like number 41 and Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid are both gone. Now you're probably going to want to look to trade up at, you know, 42 or 43 and try to snatch Musgrave before he leaves off the board. And then number 78 just kind of left open for me. But again, let's fall back to the one, the one thing that keeps sticking out to me, Jacob, we talked about this offline in that number 65 spot, Sidney Brown. He checks the RAS requirement and he, he seems to always be there around the number 65 spot, right? So if that's the case, if he were to fall to 78 or you even trade up, you might want to get that safety there at the number 78 pick in Sydney Brown. Um, he's someone, like I said, that uh, he's the only, the only one of the three safeties I mentioned that meets that minimum requirement when it comes to safety. So scenario two, let's say you take Jackson Smith and Jigba with number 15, you're still looking to trade up for a tight end in the second round, right? And then you take Sydney Brown there at number 78 scenario three. We all know that these top tier talent, uh, top tier positions, right? Um, quarterback, left tackle, edge and nose tackle. If a player falls to them guys and, and keep in mind that quarterbacks, there's two drafts every spring. We talk about it all the time. You've got the NFL draft. You've got the quarterback draft. Quarterbacks are considered one tier higher than their actual talent level. It's that important. So if you've got a quarterback, a left tackle, an edge or a nose tackle that falls, Let's say Jalen Carter falls to 15, Jacob. You're probably running that card up there and snatching him up because that's a tier one talent, in my opinion. Um, edge defender. Let's look at the board here. Just real quick. Let's say, let's just throw out a scenario here because I think I did, let's see, I think I mentioned it here how many there was. I don't have it wrote now. I think there are six. Yeah. There, so starting at the number 10 spot from 10 to 20, which is right there in that ballpark range of 15, obviously, there are six. Edge defenders slash offensive tackles. So there's a good chance one of those guys falls to us. At least one falls, right? So let's say that Peter Skaronsky falls to us, right? You're 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 probably running the card up there and taking him. Yeah. Let's say Par- let's say Miles Murphy falls out of Clemson, the edge defender. Same thing. Paris Johnson, offensive tackle out of Ohio State. Offensive tackle, Broderick Jones out of Georgia. Edge what, about,
0: what about Wilson? What if Isaiah Wilson falls?
2: Isaiah Wilson. Let's see where I got him. Um, You talking about Tyree Wilson?
0: Or Tyree Wilson, yeah. sorry.
2: Yeah, I've got Tyree Wilson at number eight. So I was just keying in on 10 to 20. But, yeah, if Tyree Wilson falls, dude, huge size, wingspans
0: out. People, people have been saying that they just kind of – he's a little bit – don't know what to think about him, right? That's kind of what I've gathered is that
2: – Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's the thing about him. Um, He's got huge size. His <clears throat> wingspan is crazy. But he's a little late off the ball. And I heard Greg Cosell and Ross Tucker talking about this the other day, and and literally Ross or uh, Greg Cosell asked Ross Tucker. He said, "You were an offensive lineman for six years in the league, Ross. How important is it?" He said, "It's everything." He said, "I don't care how talented you are. If you're laid off the ball, you're not going to win in the NFL." So that really kind of threw a flag. But again, he's the number eight prospect. They're not going to. They're not saying he can't fix that. He can't improve that. But at number eight, man, he's one of those guys. It's just, and he's got an incomplete RAS, Jacob. If he had. If he had the maximum modifier, right, which he probably would have gotten if he was healthy and he would have competed it and you know in the offseason here and we'd have got an RAS score for him, he would have moved as high as, let's see here, I don't want to over exaggerate. He would have moved as high as the number three spot on my board, bro. I mean, that's if he were to fall, you're running that card up there, right? So it's just important to understand that you know, in scenario three, offensive tackle or edge defender, if one falls. You can jump on that. Again, you're still looking to trade up and get one of those top-tier tight ends. And then Sidney Brown's just screaming it right there at the number 78 pick if he's still on the board. So the one thing that I came away with here, Jacob, is we're probably going to need to trade up in the second round to grab a tight end. Um, That's that's the one thing that keeps popping up every single time for me. If you had your pick in this draft – of tight end, and you may have kind of hit on it. I, I didn't catch it if you did. Who's your top tight end? Who's the one that you say, Oh no, I'd definitely take him over <clears throat> the up? Does anybody come to mind?
0: I honestly, so for what we have in our, I would love Laporta, but I feel like we already kind of have a Laporta in what DeGuara is. So for me, I would rather have either a giant possession tight end, which you know, somebody like the Coons guy or maybe a Musgraves or a craft or maybe do like a more complete tight end, like a, a mayor, you know, somebody where I yeah. think I've read that he can go, he can be in line. You can go a slot. You can, you know, put him out. He's not the most agile guy, but he can do everything well, you know? Yeah. And whereas Kincaid kind of scares me because, you know, we don't have Lewis anymore. Uh, we've got no Tanyan, And I'd like more of a, I, I would not even mind if we went Darnell Washington and just got some big beastly <laughs> Mercedes Lewis uh, replacement. And then even like two, dra- two, two, if you could get Musgraves later or Laporta later or, like I said, Koontz real late in the draft, If I would in my dream scenario, I've got a fresh wide receiver, either that be Perry or Wheaton or if they want to take a stab at Njibba uh, or maybe even Flowers, somebody crazy, somebody I wouldn't expect. And then you have maybe two beast new tight ends and you got, you know, a D tackle what's up, and maybe like a, a new safety, a brand new safety, and then a couple of random guys we take a stab at. That would be ideal for me like, and plus I'd love to watch the haters. Oh, Rogers never got any help. And then in the first draft we get,
2: you
1: know,
0: (laughs) love two tight ends, give him a couple wide receivers. Heck maybe even draft Griffin, uh, the fullback I was talking about. That guy is amazing. If you guys get a second, um, what the heck was his name? Griffin. He's a fullback out of LS, uh, Louisiana tech Griffin Herbert. He is Mm -hmm. Kyle use but, faster it, it's unbelievable he was a, a high school receiver basically they just use him as a h back slash uh, split tight end every now and then but the guy watch him on tape he is unbelievable he played five games against uh ap top 25s he had five receptions for 122 yards averaging 24.4 with a long of 46 and you watch this guy he's making over the over the shoulder catches one am catches i mean he was Really impressive. And like I said, I haven't heard anybody talking about him, but he would be a great, like, Kyle Juszczyk, you know, type gadget player where you could just come in and do some really crazy cool stuff. But anyways.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm trying to pull him up here on the Consensus Big Board. I want to see. I think they got list it listed as a tight in. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can find him. Where is this guy at?
0: Yeah, it was really hard to find any information on him. I even asked Jake about it, and he said that uh, he heard Jacob Morley talk about him a little bit, and that was about it.
2: Yeah. I'm not even seeing him unless I'm overlooking it here. Um, I just want to make sure because
0: look him up on YouTube. Just look his highlight reel. It's honestly insane. It's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. I'm trying to see. I just want to see if anybody's mocking him anywhere or yeah, I don't, I don't even see him listed. Holy cow, man. That's someone we might want to dig into and it could be one of those undrafted free agent type type deals too, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, good stuff, man. So, you know, really what it comes down to for me as we get ready to wrap up, um, I'm leaning towards trade back. If Brian Branch isn't your guy, trade back. Yep. Um, and a lot of people are going, oh, my God, no, please don't do this to me. But, um, dude, if you can – here's the here's the other positive to trading back. With the way the rookie contracts are slotted in now, you're saving money every time you trade back too, right? It's amazing how all the people who have kicked and screamed about this damn salary cap and how we need to clean up this mess and blah 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 blah. And everybody, and it's amazing how the GM just waves waves his magic wand and everything's okay again for another year. It's never come due. It's never anyway. I, I'm not even on my soapbox. <laughs> I get I get so angry at that because it's like you do this every year.
0: And then they go away and then they just come back like six months yeah. later, like it never happened again.
2: <laughs> it's gonna catch you next year. That's what they always say. Gonna catch you next year. So anyway, if it's amazing how those people that gets so angry about the cap, and it's it just doesn't look beautiful on paper. And now here we are in the top five in salary cap. Oh well, that doesn't include everything. You, it doesn't matter. It's you're comparing apples to apples. That's across the league. They're in better cap space right now, cap situation, than over three quarters of the league. Anyway, I digress. Um, those same people, when it comes to talking about trading back, they don't want to trade back. So oh now now you're okay with spending money on an unproven talent. Got it. Like, that makes no sense to me, um, but anyway, so I, I think there's a good chance that they do trade back. I don't think they'll trade out of the first round, but if you if you get to that number fifteen pick and you got multiple people in that top tier and you got someone who's willing to climb up five slots, do it because that's where you're really going to maximize the value of your draft pick. Is really? there any? Go ahead.
0: I was going to say, I got to get going pretty quick, but would you, is there a scenario? I know that me and you had talked about it. I originally really liked Lucas Vanessa at 15, if he was around. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, as soon as I like something, Ryan will thoroughly just pummel it into the ground and make me feel stupid for ever liking him. So he, I heard him kind of <laughs> rip apart Lucas Vanessa a little bit. And just once, he, of course, he did that, my mind started going, oh, you know, maybe he's right. But I would love Miles Murphy if somehow he were to slip. I would love an edge. I just, the idea of um, having so, we saw what happens when we lose Gary. And even if we right. have Gary Preston, he's, I love Preston. I, I always will love Preston, but I would love to have somebody, maybe a little bit of a freak. And I'd love to see, hopefully, and Igbari take a step because that'd be really cool if he, uh, I mean, that's something we haven't talked about either is these guys that for second year guys, they could really make a difference on it. Honestly, I think that's part of the reason it's going to be either make or break. If we have a, if it's a rebuilding year or if it's a competitive year, is if whether or not guys like Wyatt, Quay, Watson, Dobbs, if we have these guys making major steps, then if we don't, I think we're pretty much, you know what?
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. And when it comes to Lucas Van Ness and here's what I love about Ryan when, when Ryan's breaking down his prospects, I've listened to every podcast episode where he breaks them down one through 10, you know, 10 through 20, all that. Um, Ryan tends to lean towards, here's what I don't like about them, right? Mm-hmm. You've got other people that all you hear is positive about them, right? And and it's like, I can see why people would complain that someone's only yeah. being negative or, or the majority of their comments are being negative. I can understand that people complain and go, hell, so all these prospects are perfect then, right? But if you if you take both pockets of information, and meld them together. There's your answer, right? But when it comes to Lucas Van Ness, I've got him in the 16 slot. He definitely meets the RAS requirement. He's a true power player, but he had limited snaps at Iowa. That's the only thing. He's somewhat raw. But I'll tell you who that sounds like. That sounds Gary. like Rashawn Gear. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what? You know. To
0: uh, real quick, and then I'll I'll, I'll stop interrupting you. But uh, no, you're good, did man. you not when you when you saw? When I heard Ryan talk about Maisie Smith, I'm just in my head. I'm like, don't draft him, Packers. I know you're going to draft him, and you're going to think you're going to make a new Gary out of him.
2: (coughs) Please don't. No. Yeah, that that – I thought the same exact thing, man, the same exact thing with Maisie Smith. Now, I've got him significantly lower, right? He's got an incomplete RAS. Doesn't mean he wouldn't meet the requirement. Um, I do know that Greg Cosell is really big on him. But defensive lineman out of Michigan, I got him in the 42 slot. So, maybe that's someone you could take a little later. I I will say this. If they turn around and take a defensive lineman, man, I think it could be huge. Because Kenny Clark, guys, every time I bring this up, they go, oh, no, Kenny's good. Kenny's good. Is he? Is Kenny good? Like – I love the dude and and I wanted him to pan out as much much as anyone, right? But what where are his Aaron Donald like numbers? Right? They're not there. Okay, well, he does more in the run game, really? Because our run, our run defense sucks, right? So you what what is it that he does well? And I think we would all agree he's a better pass rusher than a run defender, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he's not pushing that pocket the way a twenty million dollar cap hit player should push that pocket. He's just not. Right. Um, But again, we'll see how it all unfolds, man. I think it can go a multitude of ways. Um, I know it's going to be exciting on draft night. I believe the plan is for us to go live on draft night. So that should be a good a good time. And I know last year was awesome. Um, A lot of good moments, a lot of a lot of good uh, banter back and forth and laughter. But uh, anything you want to say as we part ways here, Jacob?
0: No, man, I'm just, uh, it feels good to get back into it and talking some ball. I'm excited. I'm hopefully now I'm able to write my own schedule, being the boss. So I'm definitely going to try to get myself, uh, is, it Friday, thir- is it Thursday nights usually, the opener? And then Friday, or how does that work? Is it Thursday nights? Is round one?
2: Yeah, Thursday nights round one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I, I can make that work. We'll have yeah, to you do, better, a little, you better. do a little live stream.
2: By the way, man, you mentioned the smokehouse. We're going to get out of here. Um, That barbecue sauce you sent me, right? Bro i put yesterday i made prime rib sliders on the smoker and uh dude just a just a dab of that on a prime rib slider on those sweet hawaiian rolls oh yeah with a cold beer dude a cold modello oh god it was on was game on yeah if you
0: guys are in the area you got to check out old southern barbecue we got one in hudson not to brag but since i took over as the gm we've been the uh number one performing store out of all of our six branches and it's i'm i i started doing this i was like. I'm gonna take over and run this organization like a Brian Gudikins. I started sharking other. I started sharking other staff members from different places. I started hiring free agents. Had to that's cut a couple do, guys. Man. Yeah, that's
2: what you deal. gotta do. Just just make sure you don't do this though, man. What you. Whoever your best, whoever your biggest asset is, your most important employee, make sure you don't go tell him, "Hey, look, I got your replacement. I just picked him up." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I tried to get a hold of you, man. You must have been in the bathroom.
2: Sorry. in, in the bathroom with the lights off, right? <laughs> Sipping tea. All right, man. We're out of here. Really appreciate you, Tom Jacob. Uh, thanks, to everybody who tuned in on on Twitter and YouTube. Obviously, this was not Dusty Evely. Dusty, I apologize. I didn't change the title. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, we got Jacob instead. So he's he's kind of like the poor man's Dusty Evely, I guess. So we're just going to call it that. Right? No no offense, Jacob. I'm I'm the Dollar General version of Dusty Evelyn. That's what I always say. <laughs> so. Anyway, everybody have a great day. Appreciate you hanging out with us. As always, uh, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world and go back, go.
1: Sort of protective tape or wrap on that thumb next time we see Rodgers. Third and goal. Prescott stands in, delivers. And is intercepted in the end zone. Rudy Ford. Has a convoy, Rudy Ford with a huge play for Green Bay. First interception as a backer and it comes in the end zone at a big time.